Ravi Zacharias, who we talked about last time on our podcast, he said, for the Christian, worship is coextensive with life. Life is already an expression of worship. So Ravi's not saying that you don't go to church, but he's saying that the worship that we do in church extends into our life, and as we were talking about in church yesterday, beyond the, uh, the walls, beyond the stained glass. Worship in the church and the sanctuary prepares us for life beyond the stained glass where life is much more difficult. Welcome everyone to the third podcast of Renew Your Mind. Today we have with us Senior Pastor uh, Dan Bowman with the Gaylord First United Methodist Church. Say hello, Dan. Hello, Dana. How are you? Good. And we have Pastor Jordan. He's our youth and family pastor. I hope. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm the moderator, Dana Hall. So this is our third podcast, and um, just to remind everyone, we um, we took a poll um, on our Facebook group um, what people wanted to hear podcast on, and this was our third uh, one of our third suggestions from our um, from our group, and it's um, the topic is discussion on on worship. So um, we've got a series of questions. I'm just going to go through and ask the questions to both the pastors, and then they'll take turns answering. So the first question is, is what kind of worship did Jesus perform? Um, either one of you can go right ahead. Jordan, you want to start or you want me to go? Sure. This is probably a good one for both of us because I bet you there's different perspectives on there. But uh, the, I think a good place to start with this is the kind of worship Jesus was involved in would have been temple worship. It would have been uh, very Jewish. It would have been you know the culture of the time. Um, and, and we know from the scriptures that he was very faithful and frequented um, the the houses of worship uh, faithfully. He was he was not a slacker. Didn't go you know on Christmas and Easter kind of a thing. Um, and so I, there are there are some things. But another indicator of the type of worshiper that Jesus was is the very small snippet we get after that birth passage. Um, we, the scriptures say that he grew, and it says that he grew physically but he also grew spiritually. And so that's a strong indicator that he was heavily involved. Um, We also get snippets, little pictures of him in the temple actually giving lessons, uh, which would have been something, I believe, uh, that there was like a a take-turn system in some of those uh, situations, usually done by rabbis and uh, and, uh, disciples of those rabbis. So I mean that's what it would have looked like, but back then temple worship it it kind of was like a, a almost like a high church feel of today where they would have sang very unique songs, worship songs. Uh, they would have had um, unique readings from the Torah. Uh, sometimes they'd read from the prophets, maybe Isaiah. Sometimes they'd read from uh, you know the the laws, uh, Deuteronomy, and, and things like that. Um, and then there would be a lesson. So it would be, it would you know, you'd hear songs, a scripture reading, and a lesson. And um, there wasn't a full band, but it would have been, you know, <laughs> somewhat similar to how we do it today. But I think the key thing about Jesus uh, is that what we get as far as a picture of Jesus is a faithful worshiper. And of course, his lifestyle was full of worship as well. He did a lot of acts of worship in his service and other things too. But and when you're talking about the place of worship that he would have frequented, um, 
and that's kind of the picture that I see when I read the the Gospels, especially. They tell you kind of this picture of of Christ who's faithful, probably with his parents, who I imagine were also faithful, mm-hmm. uh, going to the temple, uh, worshiping uh, frequently, often. Probably was a very strong um, uh, um, follower of uh, the holidays, you know, the, the, the Passover holidays and and uh, Sukkot and all of those things. So. Uh, I, I would imagine he was a very, very good Jew when it came to a lot of those kinds of things. So question for you, um, and maybe I should have started with this in the beginning. So what is your definition of worship? Um, is it in a building? Is it with other people? Is it on your own? Um, so, Yeah, it could be all those things. You know, worship mm-hmm. is, is a broad term. Uh, it can be a noun or a verb. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be a, a place, it could be a time, but it could also be an action. And I think, uh, you know, context determines a lot of that. We often do tend to box in that word worship to mean church. Mm-hmm. And and really even maybe just a part of church, like the part of church that we do that doesn't include the sermon. That's all worship stuff. Well, worship is actually, if you go by the definition of the term, giving glory and uh, credit to God. You know, you think of um, in in olden medieval times, you would do worship and obeisance to the king, and it wasn't like you went and sang songs to him. No, you just went up and gave respect. Mm-hmm. And how you live your life is is a continual means of worship. Um, but we dedicate a day of each week um, toward that concept that we give respect and glory and due to whom it should ought, ought to be given. So it's it's a broad term. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Well, and as, as I look at, at worship, and, and I'm going to go first with your second question, then I'm going to go back to your first question, okay? <laughs> Perfect. Now, so your, your second question was about is it something we do? Is it a lifestyle? Is it an action? Mm-hmm. And the truth is, worship is all of those things, as Jordan was saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brother Lawrence once talked about worship, and he said, basically, he tried to remove from his life anything that didn't connect him to God. So anything that caused disconnect between him and God, he tried to remove, and he saw that as living his worship, that it was it was an entire lifestyle sort of thing. Okay. Ravi Zacharias, who we talked about last time on our podcast, he said, for the Christian, worship is coextensive with life. Life is already an expression of worship. So Ravi's not saying that you don't go to church, but he's Mm -hmm. saying that the worship that we do in church extends into our life, and as we were talking about in church yesterday, beyond the, uh, the walls, beyond the stained glass. Worship in the church, in the sanctuary, prepares us for life beyond the stained glass where life is much more difficult. That makes more sense. Okay, thank you. Now, the first question you had is, what kind of worship did Jesus perform? And I think one of the key scriptures to know whenever we talk about worship is Luke chapter 4, verse 16. In Luke chapter 4, verse 16, Jesus goes home to Nazareth, and he goes into the synagogue. And temple was in Jerusalem. It was There was only one temple. Synagogues tended to be in many towns. They were valued, you know, as they are today among our, our Jewish uh, friends. As they are today, they were the, the local congregation. And in Luke 4.16, uh, 
Luke writes there, Jesus went to the synagogue as was his custom. And, and mm-hmm. the term, the Greek word for custom means custom. It mm-hmm. was his habit. It was something that he deeply expected and deeply respected uh, in his life. And from what I've read, the Jewish synagogue worship of Jesus' day was, was largely comparable to the way in which our, our uh, worship styles Mm-hmm. are designed perhaps not exactly the order but the contents of of reading scripture of singing songs of uh, having someone read the scripture and then someone expound upon the scripture mm-hmm. the idea of having community in which we were a part of each other was also a part of that synagogue and so you know sometimes Christians will say well I'm a believer but I don't think you have to go to church to be a believer mm-hmm. problem with that theory is Jesus did. And if Jesus is our example, this is not a legalism, it's just he's our example of what we're supposed to be. Synagogue was his custom. Therefore, worship in church is our custom. Uh, Old Testament, Isaiah 58, 13, it talks about don't go your own way on the Sabbath. God's not pleased with that if you just do your own thing on the Sabbath. But there's blessing in taking time to be connected with God. So... What is worship? I think I think we're very close to what they did in synagogue worship, what they did that was Jesus's practices. Of course, there's differences, but in general, and it was something that Jesus expected as a part of his life and respected as a part of his life. And I've always thought, you know, if Jesus valued it so much, we ought to value it a lot more than we do. Yeah, I think um, one thing probably both of you mentioned that helped me understand the word worship. I mean, along with this conversation was the fact that, or you um, mentioned that it was a way to give glory to God. And that, that kind of opened up that word to me. It wasn't me having to go. It was, a, it was because I wanted to go and I wanted to, sh- you know, give that glory, that respect, all the things that you just oh, said. Absolutely. So that, um, well, thank you. That helps a lot. And we all have people in our lives that it is not a burden to spend time with. Mm-hmm. God wants us to feel the same way about Him, and boy, there must be something troubling if we don't mm-hmm. in our relationship with Him. Yeah, um, that's so, great. So it's to want to be in God's house uh, with a community. Mm-hmm. And all the things that that entails, giving glory and centering on God, but also being in community and mm-hmm. in ministry to each other. A little rabbit trail off of that. Um, you, you do hear often, or at least you see it on Facebook memes and things like that, the whole excuse that, uh, you know, I don't go to church because there's people that have uh, upset me, that have done things mean to me, um, you know, all of those things. There's Well, there's a story in the Gospels where... Um, Basically, during a worship service, uh, people tried to kill Jesus by throwing him off a cliff. And it doesn't seem to have stopped him. Now, <laughs> if if you can say, okay, people want to throw me off a cliff, but I'm still going to go to church, you must be pretty faithful not yeah. to the people in the church, but to the point of it in the first place. Yeah. I you know I can understand I can relate I've had some pretty bad experiences in church you know my my past or my dad was a pastor growing up and there was one church we were literally thrown out of and that was not fun by any means and you know we we didn't have anything after that but that didn't stop us mm-hmm. you know we didn't say well church is done in our lives 
um, because God's not worthy of that treatment. You know, you, maybe the people are mean. That does happen because people are people. Yeah. But God deserves more than that. And again, I can relate because I've had bad experiences, but the good experiences, especially just that in general, like like Dan was saying, that good experience of being with God should be something we desire strong enough that the things we don't like aren't good enough or strong enough to conquer that. Right. It needs to be. Uh, it needs to be a potent feeling and desire in our hearts constantly. Yeah, and I, I, I like that you brought that up because. Yeah, there's different styles and people like different things, but just become because something becomes hard, maybe that means there's you're you're needed to help with a change of something. So, yeah. um All right. Well, let me let me ask another question. Um and I might skip around here. What does the Bible suggest um about the different type of worship styles? And I guess that's what you brought up as a segue into that. I mean, what type of worship styles are there? Um, and what does the Bible tell us about those different type of styles? Yeah. Uh, it, worship has evolved in how it looks over the millennia. Um, we get in Acts a, a pretty good view of the early church, and that was mostly people meeting in homes and kind of making do with what they had. It would have looked almost like a fancy Bible study. Mm-hmm. Um, and there might've only been 10 people that frequently got together in a home. And then down the street, another group met and and they just frequently got together. And then they all listened to the same bishop or ruler leader, spiritual leader in that area. Mm -hmm. It would have looked different. And then as the church became more legal and recognized, um, it became a lot more of a function in society. And mm-hmm. uh, it got to a point where you had to go to church. You were expected to go to church or else kind of a thing. And uh, it got real formal. It started off informal, mm-hmm. got very formal. Um, and, uh, you know, culture has always impacted how we do church. Uh, you know, there's genres of music that are based on how people did church in their time, Mm -hmm. you know, and and multiple spectrums. So today that comes down to a couple of basic styles. I would say there's uh, contemporary, traditional, and blended Mm -hmm. are are some easy ways. And it's a spectrum. You can get really traditional. You can get really contemporary. Uh, and I would say blended is is a mixture of the two. So how how that all plays out is across the board. But I would say those three are probably good terms to describe the the ends of the spectrum in the middle. Mm-hmm. And as far as what the Bible says, I personally don't feel that there is a bend either way. I don't think there's scriptures that say you need to do it traditionally or you need to do it contemporary. Um, those, again, are things that we as humans implement in addition culturally. It's how a culture has affected Mm-hmm. Our worship, um, and you know, for the traditionalists, just remember that your traditional study now was a contemporary back then, and uh, you know, for the contemporary, you might think it's new now. In fifty years, it'll be traditional. Traditional, so, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, but that it's I like all how a you said of perspective. that. It goes on, you know, informal to yeah. formal to back to informal. So, um, Pastor Dan. Well, it's it's funny now on that last point that Jordan made. Um, I I love some what I consider contemporary songs that are now really traditional contemporary because mm-hmm. they've been around for 30 years. Mm-hmm. They were 
introduced to me when I was in the Lapeer Church, which would have been back in 1995. Yep. Now, I don't like to think about how long ago 1995 is. So, you know, I'm thinking majesty is still, you know, that, I think that came out of the 80s or even late 70s. And I'm thinking, well, that's contemporary. And young people are looking at me, no. <laughs> so for me, there, there's two key scripture that really talk to me about the heart of worship. Uh, John 4, verse 21 through 24, and I'll just give a synopsis. You know, God wants worship that is spirit and truth, that is worshiped in spirit and truth. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, these are the people that the, or the, this is the way that the Father desires worship to be. So spirit and truth is, is a big part of that. Uh, Jesus in Matthew 15, 8 said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Mm-hmm. I think to me, that puts in kind of a nutshell what our worship is to be. Spiritual, spiritual connection with God's spirit. Truthful, we're seeking what God is really like, and we're trying to do things that connect us mm-hmm. to who God really is and what does he want for us. And then this, this last one from Matthew, we don't want to just do it. They honor me with their lips. It's a habit. It's a good at. Yeah, sometimes there's some things in worship that are a habit, and we probably don't give them as much heartfelt thought as we should. Mm-hmm. We just might pray the Lord's Prayer. And some weeks we really pray it, like we mean it, and other weeks we kind of mumble our way through it sure, and, and so on. And I know that's part of being human, but it's not an excuse. So Jesus wants worship that the heart is close to him. You know, there are some people that the heart is close to God when the organ is playing or the choir is in robe singing. There are some people that the heart is close to God when the guitar is wailing, something what I would consider very contemporary. Um, some people when they're singing majesty or I love you, Lord. I mean, those were the the great thing about aging is, you know, there was a time when something is, was contemporary and it's not anymore. (laughs) And, you know, and I've talked to people also, there was a time when there was no organ. Believe me, there was a time when there was no organ. (laughs) It didn't, there was a time that the organ was considered uh, even a, maybe a tool of the devil and maybe it shouldn't be in our church because we've never done that before. There are some denominations that still don't have organs because they weren't there in Jesus's day. Okay. Um, the other th- amazing thing, Jordan talked about these house churches. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in the 300s, buildings began to be churches. Mm-hmm. Up till that point, it's clear it was almost all house churches. Even though Jewish people were used to synagogue worship, the Christians, early Christians, it was house worship. A lot of that had to do with persecution. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense that about the time Constantine says the church is okay in the 300s, the church has popped up. Church I'm, popped up. I'm uh-huh. sure there is a correlation there. I just read an article on that a couple weeks ago, um, which, I mean, I don't know that stuff because I'm smart. I, I just happened to be reading it a few weeks ago, and God, <laughs> God happens to work it into things. Um, so when it went to more of a, a community building, mm-hmm. much like the synagogue, things changed. Yeah. And people are people. And I think a lot of the ways in which we kind of transferred the, the synagogue worship into the, the Christian worship, into the church building, you know, I think a lot of times leadership was trying to make sure we're doing the right thing. And when you do that, sometimes you can become just like when, when Jesus, you know, spoke against the traditions of men. Man, Christians, 
they have their traditions too. Mm-hmm. And we shake our heads at it, but it's just part of, I think, being human, that yeah. we want to make sure we're doing it the right way because we want it to be sacred. And there's nothing wrong with sacred. Sacred can be a guitar. Sacred can be a drum. Sacred can be people that have no instruments at all and they just sing a cappella. Sacred can be the booming organ in a cathedral. Um, I like all that stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have different preferences, but I like all that stuff. And I've been able to worship all that way through my 55 years. Mm -hmm. And I've liked it all pretty much. So um, I think there's a lot of sacredness in a lot of different ways. And when we went through the period of that really has died down quite a bit now, when we went through that period in the church of worship wars, you know, it was it was kind of embarrassing, but I look back now, and there was some growth that took place in that because conversations had to be had. Uh, assumptions had to be addressed. And everything where it worked well came back to those two verses, God wants us to worship him in spirit and truth. What does that look like? Mm-hmm. Well, it can look a lot of different ways. And it can be anywhere from shirts and ties to jeans, by mm-hmm. the way. That's a whole nother concept. Um, <laughs> and he wants our hearts to be close to him. Um, and that can be in a building, that can be out at the park, in a you know community worship. Um, but I think the one thing to think about, you know, I think sometimes people say, well, my worship in the summertime is going to be on the golf course. And I think you got to ask, is it really? Mm-hmm. Well, sure. What are you worshiping? Yeah. <laughs> what, what, are you, what are you chasing? Entertainment? And, you know, and I think we've got to be really honest with ourselves because I, I think you can play golf after church after you've given God that intentional right. time. Mm-hmm. That That's deserves. what I do. That's- um, and I know I, I don't play well, but I play better after I've been to church. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what the connection is there. But. You know, uh, sacred is a spirit. It is, it is a state of being not a style of pursuit. Um, David is described as having a heart after God or a man of God's own heart, right? And he did some pretty terrible things. But you know what he did all his life long was he had a developed worship style individually Mm -hmm. for God. When he was a kid by himself, he wrote and sang songs to God. When he was an adult, he did the same thing. The Psalms kept coming. We see even when he did the thing wrong with Bathsheba, Psalm 51. In you know, all his life long, he constantly wrote songs and sang them uh uniquely, individually, just by himself. And he did it when he was a king and dressed well, and he did it when he was a shepherd and dressed poorly. Mm-hmm. He did it when he was around people in, in the city. He did it when he was all by himself in the caves with the sheep. And so that I think, you know, really shows how someone can be near to the heart of God without being perfect. Part of it is constant desire to worship him in in a true, sincere fashion, not just, you know, representing uh, or having titles. All those things come and go. Uh, It's not leadership and it's not servitude. I mean, both of those things have their value. But being near to God has everything to do with humility and worship of him mm-hmm. all your life long. And it can be a lot of different ways. Like I said, he did it all the time. And he, not even knowing it, was reading a scripture aloud when he sang because his some of his songs <laughs> became scripture. They, they're for us to sing now, too. And they appear both in praise music and hymns. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and, and, and so it's if it's... If it's uh, Sharing the biblical concept of what worship is to be and to glorify and adore God, you know, 
Does it really matter whether it's organ, piano, uh, guitar, or uh, acapella? Mm-hmm. You know, there is. We, I, you know, I, I feel like I gave a blanket statement that pretty much all worship styles are are good. Uh, one thing we should be aware of: there are there are ways to worship incorrectly. Mm. I don't think oh, that yeah. they're based Expound in styles. Uh, but yeah, yeah, your motive. I mean, if you you and you, unfortunately, I've seen this in churches where you can go up there, and I've seen it in all kinds of churches in all different styles. But um, I've seen it where preachers are obviously preaching for themselves, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I've seen it where singers are obviously singing for themselves, mm-hmm. and the benefit is designed to be to them. And it's not designed to glory or worship God. God, yeah. Uh, and that's a pretty strong indicator. You know, it, it, one thing I found, I was uh, part of a worship team once, and there was a communion one Sunday, and no one in the worship team wanted to take part in communion. I found that really odd. That is supposed to be an act of worship everybody wants to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And here we are just sitting back, waiting for the guy to get done preaching and take communion so we can go up and do the last song. I, I wasn't I was not a fan of that. I, yeah. I can't speak to the hearts of the people there, and I can't speak to the way they do things. But for me, that did not ring a bell of worship in my heart and mm-hmm. mind. You know? That was an indicator of, of lackadaisical worship. And yeah. I, I, don't, I don't like that. <laughs> well, and I think there's always a key question. Whose kingdom are you building? Yeah. Whose kingdom are you working in? Are you there to glorify God? And every individual has to decide this for themselves in their heart. I, I don't want to sit in judgment of anyone, but every individual has to have kind of this litmus test. What's your purpose? Whose kingdom are you building? God's or your own? And, th- and that goes across the board, everything from pastors to ushers to uh, uh, welcome teams to worship teams to choirs. I mean, we've all got to ask ourselves that question. Who am I here? What kingdom am I here to build? And, the, and there can only be one correct answer. It's got to be God's. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so if they tell the pastor, hey, you got to cut five minutes off your sermon, you know, if it's to God's glory, then it's to God's glory. Now, if it's because they want to get home for football, that's a whole different thing. But, <laughs> yeah, right. but, yeah. but you know, it's got to be about God and, and how to connect people to God mm-hmm. in all the facets. That helps so much, which I... It's interesting because it brings us right back to the first or the second question is um, what kind of worship did Jesus perform? And then he performed the perfect way to worship God. Yeah. Um, yeah. And feel free to correct me. I'm, I'm just trying to um, share how I'm wrapping my head around it. <laughs> um, Process. <laughs> yeah. Um, so a couple other questions. Um one that comes to mind is, is it okay to worship with other religions? We talked about different types of way to worship, uh, formal, informal, but is it okay to worship with other religions? Well, I, we get into a, a, an area where this may not sound, in my, in my view, this may not sound um, like I'm being as diverse as maybe our culture wants <laughs> us to be, but... I would say this, based on everything we just said, our, our desire is to glorify God. As Christians, we believe Jesus Christ is God the Son. And so as Christians, always part of our worship is glorifying Christ. If we are in a situation um, that Christ cannot be glorified, 
then that's not a place for us to be. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's just that simple. It doesn't mean I want anybody shut down. I don't want anybody beat up. I don't want anybody hated. Yeah. None of that stuff. But mm-hmm. who's the priority? It's got to be Christ. Does our worship bring Christ uh, glory to Christ? Does it bring glory to the Holy Spirit and God the Father? So we're a triune, uh, we're a triune bunch here, and it's got to be open and free to glorify all all three. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't, then we're not worshiping as we should as Christians. Yeah. And I, I I'm sorry, that's just very clear in Scripture. Mm-hmm. I know sometimes that's hard to hear. It, there's a dichotomy of examples in Scripture. I think in the Old Testament. One of the common problems Israel struggled with as a nation was mixed worship of other gods with the worship of Jehovah. And you see it over and over and over where prophets had to come in and they had to cut down the groves. They had to burn the idols. They had to do all these things because the people kept going back to worship of Baal and and, and Ashtaroth and all these other people that were cultural idols and actually fit in the scheme they were just added to the theology of judaism um and so they would continue to worship elohim and jehovah the concepts of god mm-hmm. as, as that were correct they would continue to do that and the temples would never be removed they would be kept sacred and the worship was dedicated the way it was supposed to but they also added worship to other creatures and idols that, that should not have been dagon mm-hmm. and all these other things mm. And God was not pleased. He was ticked off. He was not happy. And he constantly sent people uh, to destroy those things. You know, you look at the book of Judges, over and over and over, that's what had to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Gideon, that was one of his earmarked things. We know the story of Gideon with the Midianites. There's a reminder that he went and and before that, as kind of a test, he had to go cut down his family's idols, <laughs> you know, and there's uh, there's some there's some things that maybe that's a reminder of our own heart of what we have to do before we can fully worship God. So I think we should take that example and realize God is not happy when we worship, even if we continue to worship God and recognize Him for who He actually is. When we add things and worship mm-hmm. things alongside Him as if mm-hmm. they're co-equal, that is not that's not right, and right. we we have no business mixing that. On the other hand, in the New Testament, Paul goes to Athens, right? Mm-hmm. And he is amongst idols galore mm-hmm. during their worship time. And and he would go there, speak with people. I, I hesitate to say the word participate, but he probably in some ways did, in some ways did not. You know, he, he would interact is a better, I think, a better term. Mm-hmm. Where he was present during their worship and he discussed with them about their worship mm-hmm. But he wasn't actually worshiping those idols. Mm-hmm. You know, I have no doubt in my mind when he says, you know, you have an unknown God, let me tell you about him. He did so through a point of knowledge about what they believed and worshiped and how they worshiped and all of those things, not through experience, but through study. You know, mm-hmm. he wasn't there to try out other religions, he was there to converse with people. And mm-hmm. uh, so I think there is a responsibility. Um, Maybe not so much to worship. In fact, just the opposite. Yeah. There's a responsibility to not to. Yeah. <laughs> we should yeah. be very careful about the kind of, you know, another way to put it is we should be careful about the things we bring into our churches. And we should be careful about, you know, we look at some of the things that they come from occultic backgrounds or, or other religions. You know, you're celebrating holidays, holy days from other religions. Those are some things to think about. Should I be doing this? Mm-hmm. Uh, and what's the point? What's the purpose? 
And especially when you bring this on that stuff into the worship of God, we got to be really careful about that. But at the same time, it does behoove us to know about other religions and who they worship and how they worship. Because that gives us the capability to have those important conversations with great potential for the gospel. So if I rephrased it and said, is it okay to educate (laughs) ourselves on other religions? And I think that's the point you're trying to get across is... Absolutely. I mean, we have to we have to understand so yeah. uh, we know, I guess, and I how can tell to you. speak in their uh, words to share our love for Christ and God. And I mean, fill in the help me. I guess jump in uh, where I'm kind of fumbling here. No, I I agree. I think that's a good understanding. Is that you know, to educate ourselves? It should be one of our great primaries when it comes to other religions and, and the worship of other other deities and other other mm-hmm. processes and things like that. I, I can say it's not a cr- the same across the board. If I were in Israel right now and I had Jewish friends that I was with and they went to the 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 wall of prayer, um, mm-hmm. the wailing wall, the wailing wall. Yeah. Um, I would feel comfortable praying at that wall right. mm-hmm. and w- next to Jewish people, mm-hmm. even though they don't recognize Christ as Messiah, and I do believe that that is an indicator. So I don't believe that they're currently right with God because they've rejected Christ as Messiah. Yet, I do know they're halfway there, if you will, in in that they have the correct understanding of who God is and was. They just don't understand who he is and will be. Mm-hmm. And so um, there are some, not all religions are parallel. You know, and, and not all actions are parallel, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I probably wouldn't go into a Jewish temple and worship, but uh, I have no problem praying in the name of Elohim. You know, so there's there are some things, and again, knowledge is power, and, and so you have to be able to know to, to, to separate a lot of that. Sure. And I think those are more exceptions to the rule than because most religions, there is not that kind of shared concept. Christianity is a continuation of Judaism, mm-hmm. and so there are some shared elements that you can both appreciate. You know, we, they share a lot of our scriptures, most of our scriptures, actually, if we're, if we're looking at it honestly. So there's... And again, that kind of knowledge is a great stepping stone for gospel conversations. Mm -hmm. You know, you have those kind of knowledges and you use those common bases of prayer and scripture that you both have. Well, boy, you can get on a good head start and Mm -hmm. maybe in the end, you can both come to the the saving truth of Christ in that. And so. Okay. Thank you. I have one other question, actually two other questions. Um, um, What is, what is the definition of liturgy? What is it, and where do we get it? And maybe we already talked about it, and I just missed it. Um, how does that fit into um, how we worship? Pretty much liturgy would be the manner or the way or the standard in which uh, a denomination uh, chooses to worship, the the way in which they put their things together. And, and <laughs> there's a... High church liturgy, there's low church liturgy. High church liturgy, you'd, you'd kind of uh, think of, of vestments and robes, and there may be some, uh, I don't want to say odors, it's, uh, that doesn't sound like the right, there, well, odors yeah. in, in, mm-hmm. in, the, in the church that's involved in mm-hmm. worship, especially among our Orthodox friends and our Roman Catholic friends, um, our Anglican friends to some extent also. And so there's certain mannerisms in which they go about the order of worship and the style of worship. 
and the things that within their liturgy are very important to what they think connecting us to God and sacredness. Um, there's others that are much lower church liturgy, that it may be a couple of songs, uh, a prayer that we do every week. I mean, everybody tends mm-hmm. to have some kind of liturgy. That's why we have those bulletins. You know, mm-hmm. this is the and, and why do we print them? Because everybody knows what we're doing. But you know, <laughs> um, yeah. but so it's really the manner, the order of of how you do things, okay. and, and the things that are most important to okay. you. Okay. There's one denomination out there that uh-huh. does not have any program. They call it un, non-programmed worship. Mm-hmm. They don't even have clergy. They're the Quakers. Mm-hmm. It's a very unique setup. They will come to their church building. About the only thing that's set up is when they start, how long the thing takes, who gives the sermon, what songs they sing, and everything is a surprise. Mm-hmm. They just all come together and they sit in a little circle and they all face each other and then they all are quiet until someone receives revelation from the Holy Spirit is, is how, you know how they describe it. And that person might start singing or share a poem or start preaching. Who knows what's going to happen next? Nobody. And when it ends is when everyone says, well, I think that's it. So that's the only exception to the rule. Every other denomination, even though there have been denominations that tried to reject the mm-hmm. high church you know, status for various reasons, every single church has a program. And I don't think it's a bad thing because, again, you know, look at the, the – the worship Jesus participated in, that was very much a part yeah. of it. You know, he had a programmed life. There was some routineness to how he worshiped in, in the manners. Mm-hmm. There's a, a verse in Colossians that talks about three different styles of singing. It says mm-hmm. we should worship in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Mm-hmm. And I, all of them have different definitions. I think psalms would be like um, praise uh, statements, if you will. Hymns are things that def- declare or define doctrine in mm-hmm. in their uh, in their lyric, and spiritual songs is pretty much anything else. Mm-hmm. That <laughs> it's like the qualifier. the catch all. <laughs> yeah, that's the catch all, and um, and they all have a purpose. And so it says that we should do all of those things. Uh, it doesn't say necessarily the order, and okay. doesn't you know this thing. But so there, you know, there are some things. It's uh, it is important to have. A little bit of programming. It's important to have mm-hmm. a little bit of routineness. It helps us to stay faithful and consistent. But there is no right which way in which it has to be sure. done. You know. Yeah, I think that helps a lot. And and I would I would argue that every group has some form of liturgy. Even those that try to say they have no form of liturgy, yeah, it becomes liturgy. I I have a, <laughs> I have a family member that about twenty years ago was arguing with me about. Well, yeah, we don't really have liturgy in our church, and and of course I knew they did. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I said, well, do you do communion every week? Well, yeah, you're supposed to. And I said, you have liturgy. <laughs> <laughs> See, no, that's don't. a great <laughs> question. <laughs> yeah, that is a great question. <laughs> and, and, you know, so we all have those things, and it's fine if it glorifies God and if it's done to glorify God. Yeah. And so, okay, great. Well, last question. So we've we've learned a lot today, and. Um, and we've talked about different uh, parts of worship. It's a noun, it's a verb, but how do I respond if I, if I don't like my church church's worship style? Uh-huh. Um, I know that opens up a whole series of questions, but... Well, I, I've just more and more become a believer that churches are probably 
better off if they're offering at least a bit of diversity in the liturgy and, and the way that they do things. Mm-hmm. And I think the worship wars got really bad because we were trying to say one is better than the other, or one is gooder than the other, or, you know, mm-hmm. and even blended sometimes can be very difficult because, you know, there's an old saying that when you do a blended worship, you got something in there that everybody doesn't like. So, sure. you know, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and again, church is not about the per- people, but in reality, certainly there's preferences. Sure. Um, and if you don't like pistachio ice cream and I try to make you eat it, well, maybe that's not the best thing to do. <laughs> um, but so I think churches, if they can, are kind of wise to try to offer some maybe divergent types of worship if they can pull it off mm-hmm. um, as something that helps everybody to approach God and to get connected with God. One of my favorite stories I've ever heard, and I didn't experience this myself, but a friend told me about it. She was worshiping in a church in Flint, Michigan, and she liked uh, contemporary worship, so she went to the contemporary worship service. Mm -hmm. The time was better for her. It was later in the morning. The traditional was earlier in the morning. Mm -hmm. And you know, us older people, we can we don't sleep well, so we can get up and go to church early. I'm not trying to offend anybody because I'm included now. Dog gets up and I can't go back to sleep. But so, and what she saw, she went to contemporary service and she saw a guy that was in his 80s, and he was ushering in the contemporary service. And man, he was happy, full of energy, helping the young people, new people find their way to their seats, and just mm-hmm. bopping all over the place. And so she kind of talked to him and said, wow, you must really like contemporary music. And he, he took earplugs out of his ears. And he said, what was that? And she said, you must really like, you're really happy. And he goes, oh, no, I hate this music, but I like young people in our church. I go to the 830 service or whatever, but I like that I, we're attracting young people, so I come and I work in the second service, but I wear earplugs because yeah. the music's too loud for me. And, yeah. and he really didn't say I hate the music. He just said it's too loud. That's, yeah. that's how. Yeah. And that's. Man, that is a spirit that works. Yeah, that kind of says it all. Oh, it does. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think you know you, you t- you're asking the question, "What do I do if I'm in a church and I don't like how they worship?" I learned a phrase in college that I've taken to heart: "Chew the meat, spit the bones." <laughs> you take what is good, you swallow that. And if you don't like something, spit it out and move on. Yeah. If there's a part, it, it, I got to be honest with you. If you're in church and you don't like how church is done, that's fine. But I guarantee if you're there for the right reasons, there will be moments where you will be able to worship God uninhibited, even with the distraction of I don't like what they're singing and I don't like how they're singing it or I don't like what he just said. Mm -hmm. Okay? You might not like that moment that just happened. Erase it, move on, get ready to swallow the next good one Mm -hmm. and look for them. If you stay focused on negative, you know what you're going to find? Negative stuff. But if you look for the good, you will find the good. And I find that in church services, it is very easy to get distracted by the color of carpet or the sound <laughs> of a horn. And and you can you can get so many things that throw you off. But again, if you recenter yourself to who and why you're there, then a lot of those things can fall off if you let them. Um, I will say this. I don't have a problem with people who voice their opinion on styles they don't appreciate or prefer. That's better, actually. If mm-hmm. you just pretend that everything's okay and move on, nothing good, you know, the change that needs to happen in a church won't, and something will blow up. 
So honest opinions are often good. But I'm also reminded of scriptures, you know, let your speech be seasoned with grace. Mm-hmm. You know, there's ways to complain. <laughs> there's or- ways to <laughs> ask questions. There's ways to say, I don't like this, you know. And there's ways to do it properly. Uh, like Dan said, maybe your church is completely traditional and you want to get a contemporary service in it. Uh, there, you know, there's good ways mm-hmm. to make this, this change happen. Or maybe your church is uh, is contemporary, but it's so contemporary that you miss aspects of a traditional service you grew up with or something and you want some of those mm-hmm. things. There are good ways to ask and, and discuss those things. And there's bad ways, you know. And again, you know, we talked a lot about the word intent or motive. Um, it can be an act of worship to have the discussions about worship, right? If we do it properly, yeah. Right. I was gonna, yeah. I was gonna suggest, could it also be a way for each one of us to possibly bring forth a hidden talent? So maybe oh, you don't like yeah. a certain music or a certain whatever, but maybe that's God's calling for Absolutely. you to share that talent to you know, fill that void or change a little something different. Humility goes mm-hmm. a long way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've, I, I have also experienced this where this, I grew up in a very traditional setting, uh, you know, to be completely honest, my mom threw out and burned the CDs that were too rocky sounding in uh, that were even <laughs> my audio adrenaline CD. No, yeah, yeah. newsboys were gone. <laughs> That's not Steve green. <laughs> she loves them now. Yeah. You know, people change. Yeah. And and part of it is you give things a chance, and you see the value that they have. Uh, back then, a lot of rock music was related to very unhealthy stuff, and I can understand and appreciate why they took very close care for some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I didn't appreciate it then. Uh, <laughs> well, well in, you know, when my kids were little, we would travel in the minivan, and we would play their CDs mm-hmm. on it. And three quarters of music, I couldn't understand the lyrics to, and I started question. You know, well, what good is this if you can't understand the lyrics? The difference was the kids all knew the lyrics, oh, right? Mm-hmm. And they're back there singing the lyrics. I couldn't. You know, I was trying to figure out Jesus freak, and I, you know, you know, you know. Now I sing it on the lawnmower all the time, but because I know the words, and it's they're good words. But for years, I didn't know what they were saying. Um, you know, and kind of one last thing on this. Um, I, you know, you're the moderator. I don't know where we are. Nope, time, we were but, wrapping it up, so yeah. it's perfect. Um, my parents, when my dad was still alive, um, they they were introduced to a, a church. They'd been Methodist their whole life, and they were introduced to a church by my cousins that my dad learned a lot from the the preaching, mm-hmm. and he liked what he was learning. Um, but the music was too much for him, and they'd, they'd go about half an hour mm-hmm. with the praise music. Number one, he couldn't stand that long. Number two, it was too loud. Number three, it was unfamiliar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I would talk with him about this, and, and he'd say, you know, if I could just basically go in from point X on, it would be very meaningful for me, but I just can't stand that long, mm-hmm. and it's too loud. And I said to him, you know, there wouldn't be a problem with you don't make a big deal. Don't be ugly about it or anything. But there would be no problem with you going in at a certain time when you sure. think the music is about wrapping up. That's right. Listen to the message. Then they'd have a closing song. Then he was fine with that. Mm-hmm. And you can do that, Dad. If you're really getting something out of the teaching, you can do Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah. And and just don't be ugly about it. Just yeah. don't feel like you have to make a statement. You know that I'm walking in now because I don't like this. And, yeah. and he wasn't doing that. It just was too loud for him. Yeah. 
So that's a great that's a great story and a great example of how we search for those things that speak to us. Yeah. So okay. Well, I think that answers all well if it answers all our questions, but it answers a lot of our questions. So uh, thank you for um, for our discussion on worship. Um, and everyone have a great day. Right.